Hello and welcome to the Sleep Teacher Pod, the podcast for all the parents out there who just want sleep. I'm Christy, owner of The Sleep Teacher, and I am joined by my colleague, Beck. If you are in the trenches of sleep deprivation, we see you, we feel you, and trust us, this podcast is going to become your new BFF. We want you to know that you can still be a lovingly attached parent and get good sleep. You don't have to choose between the two. So pop Bub in the carrier, grab yourself a coffee, put those headphones in, because we have all the sleep tips coming your way. Let's get napping, Mama. Hello, everybody. It is Christy and Beck from The Sleep Teacher. Hello, Beck. Hello, hello. How are we? I was good. Um, you know, like when you're younger and you get a text message and you're like, oh, so excited. It's not so much that when you're an adult. No, like- especially like if I see like my kid's school number, like I think I was talking to Shannon yesterday, one of our other consultants, I was like, oh my God, I've got to go. I've got to go. The school's calling me. I know. Well, I just literally sit down to do this and get a text message through my daycare that's oh, like, no. Hi, we have a confirmed case of hand, foot, and mouth. Like, oh, yay. Like, yay, I love just, that for you. Oh, so now you're just on edge and yes. waiting. Like, it's like, is it- like if one man goes down in your house with gastro, you're like, okay, just get through the next 72 hours and hope that no one else comes down with it. And I watched the funniest reel the other day because I my background is childcare and I was in the classroom and then I was in admin and there was this reel of like this this dad putting Panadol in their mouth and like making sure they're wiping their nose at the door of daycare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to just get them in and get that four hours until the Panadol wears off. Like. Uh, and then you get the call and they're like, um, they're so surprised. Like really sick. Like, oh, I said, okay, this morning when I dropped you off. Yeah, that's what the real was. Oh, like, oh really? Yeah. They were so right. fine. And like we had these kids say to us, oh, yeah, like had some red medicine this morning. Yeah. Like, so, so really? awkward. Oh, your, so, your, your just so mommy. you know, guys, if you are dosing your kids up, they, they pretty much tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is sacred when it comes to preschoolers. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, but, yeah, so, anyway, fingers crossed we get through this without the call, mm, basically. Yes, and because it's it's a good one. I, I actually enjoyed this conversation. Um, we have a relationship counsellor, Eliza Pike, on with us, and she, honestly, like I got off and I was <laughs> running through everything with my partner, Mitch. I was like, oh, my God, like <laughs> yes. this, this, this. Look, I feel that no matter – how beautiful, strong, amazing your relationship is. It's something that, you know, we all probably go through and it's just navigating parenthood, that relationship of, yeah, trying to delegate tasks without, you know, feeling like you're constantly like nagging and just sharing the load. So Eliza's got some great strategies in terms of like how you can even, I guess, just initiate that conversation if you feel like you need help or they're not lifting and sharing the load as much as they should be. And just some really great ways to sort of have those conversations. Uh, so yeah so make sure because at the end actually yeah she's got some really good tips so make sure you stick around and listen to that and she's also part of the Gidget Foundation so she deals with perinatal mental health and anxiety so she's really really mindful of our mental health and well-being and whatnot she comes from both angles so it's a really good chat yeah we're going to get her on again she was great we are we're going to get her on and talk all things perinatal mental health and yeah depression anxiety so which I think is a really big one so 
Um, yes, but I wanted to quickly also mention we got some new listeners in Mexico this month, guys. And yeah, <laughs> so um, thank you. Thank you to all those listeners, Mexico. all the Mexicans. <laughs> That's so um, fun. I know. How cool. So thank you for that. And thank you also too for all of your reviews over on Apple Podcasts. Spotify is really annoying. Like you can't leave a review, but Apple is really cool. And if you have been enjoying it, please go over because we really love seeing your love for the podcast. It makes us feel, I don't know, it's nice. It is nice. (laughs) It is. People are listening to us on the other end of this. (laughs) Yeah, because look, no, we don't like listening to our own voices. (laughs) But thank you guys. And we will pop Eliza's details as well at the end so you can get in contact with her if needed. Let's get into it. Hi, Eliza. Hi, Christy. Hi, Beck. And hey, hi, Beck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Eliza is the founder and director of Blackbird Counseling. Um, she is supporting women through their lifespan and has a focus in perinatal mental health. So we feel like she is in the right spot with our audience at the moment. So, Eliza, do you want to tell our audience a little bit about what you do in your practice? Yeah, absolutely. Look, thanks so much for having me. I'm a big fan of this podcast. So, I'm an accredited mental health social worker uh, and I've been a social worker for the past 23 years. But about six years ago, I decided to embark on a private practice with the goal of supporting women through the lifespan. So I work predominantly in the perinatal mental health area, but I have these fantastic mental health professionals that support women through, you know, all of the hormonal adjustments, adolescence, matrescence, menopause, perimenopause. So we've developed this counseling service too. So we do see men as well, but predominantly we see women to help them through those huge adjustments that they experience in their lives. Yeah, and it really is a huge adjustment, I guess, coming into parenthood. And I think like we've obviously got you on today because we want to talk about sharing the load. And this was a highly requested topic from our audience. And I absolutely understand why. I think it can be, it's so hard when you're learning, you're becoming a new mum, you're hormonal, you're emotional, there's so many changes. And it can at times feel like as well, nothing changes for your partner and, you know, your whole life's changed. Everything's changed. But from yes. your, through your eyes, sometimes it can look like nothing has changed for them. Yes. And it's hard because then you also have that feeling of, well, you know, I know they're still at work and I, you know, maybe I shouldn't ask for help. And I just think it'd be great to get your opinion because, <laughs> and thoughts yeah. on this whole thing, because I know we all go through it as wives and mothers. So, um, yes. yeah, I guess one of the biggest thing is like, yeah, just really, really finding that balance and trying mm. to initiate that conversation because it's something that you either, I think even if you do have it early on, nothing and no one really can prepare you for what's to come, I guess. Yes. Very true. And I think, Christy, we first of all need to acknowledge the term matrescence. So some people may be familiar with that, but what matrescence means is it's the acknowledgement of the transition from woman to mother. So what's involved in that, that transition is, you know, a lot of mixed feelings that we have 
around motherhood. Like if we look at adolescence, so that's a huge transition for people and there's changes across physical, emotion, mental health state. But when we look at matrescence, we need to acknowledge that there are so many changes that women experience across the biological changes, the physical and emotional changes, the social and political changes. So what's happening is that, you know, women are going through this very significant transition while also experiencing excessive sleep deprivation huge changes to their identity. So, you know, that's an enormous process where we're looking at neurological changes, hormonal changes, nutrient depletion. We're looking at societal norms and expectations. What's a good mother? What's a bad mother? We're looking at huge changes within your intimate partnership. We're looking at changing friendships and dynamics, as well as experiencing, you know, those light and dark emotions that come with, you know, having a baby. So I think we need to acknowledge that first of all, matrescence is a significant hormonal adjustment that has changes across so many different platforms of a woman's life. So we need to acknowledge that first. And then one of the questions that we were talking about is how to navigate delegating tasks, you know, in that relationship. And I always say the same thing. We need to make the invisible visible. And what I mean by that is going, you know, motherhood is largely devalued. You're not getting paid for the role. There's a lot of labor that we do in that role that is not really acknowledged or identified. So one of the conversations we need to have with our partners is how do we make the invisible work visible so they can see exactly what you do on a day-to-day basis. And not only is that the physical load, but the mental load. And what the mental load can be, can be all of the decisions that you make from the moment you wake to the moment you sleep. When did the baby feed last? You know, did they sleep okay? Do I need to get them into that doctor for that little rash that I see there? You know, there's all of those decisions. What's if you dinner? write down Have I got nappies? Have I got nappies? You know, the list um, is honestly endless. Like, and I do feel that that at times, like, oh my God, my head hurts. It's funny because there's so many memes and things out there where it's one of those things like you go, okay, I'm going to go make myself a cup of coffee. Oh, that's right. I'm out out of coffee. Or like you go to the fridge and you're like, I'm out of milk. Oh, that's right. I better write that on the grocery list. You go to write the grocery list. You can't find the pen. You go to get the, and it honestly is like that. Like it is never ending. We just never switch. It's never ending. I have a beautiful client that said to me, I feel like I'm on a timer all day and I don't feel like that timer ever stops. I wake up and I think, right, I've got this to do, I've got that to do. And then when we lie in bed at night, and Maggie Dent spoke a bit about this recently on a podcast, is that we go to bed at night and women are still thinking, okay, did I do that? Um, I've got to pick my son up tomorrow from this activity. Where the hell is my birth certificate? You start thinking all of these random things. Absolutely. Your brain does not shut off at nighttime. And, you know, we are hardwired to be in proximity to our children. You know, along with that comes this hypervigilance that we have in making sure that we're keeping our child safe and we're, you know, feeling 100% responsible for their health and well-being. But we need to kind of take a step back and go, hang on, we have another partner here who is also responsible for our children's health and well-being. That's not completely my responsibility. So how do I start to make the invisible visible by talking about all of the tasks that we do, all of the decisions that we make, and how can we have more of an equitable distribution between partners? Mm. Because what happens with us as we get more hypervigilant, we get more overwhelmed with everything. And that contributes to lots of different, you know, feelings of anxiety or feelings like we're just not in control of everything. 
Yeah, and I think too it can even lead to like that bit of resentment because you're like, you know, and then that can lead to strained relationships as well. It's finding that balance, but how do you initiate that conversation? What do you do? Like what would you suggest? Hey, I'm really struggling or like is it something you should have a list of all the tasks that need to be done and could you help me with this? Or Because I do think that, you know, obviously every relationship dynamic is so different. So some people will probably find having that conversation hard, whereas I'm just like, mate, the bins need to be taken out, go and do it. <laughs> but that also adds to your mental load because you're prompting men. So you're oh. then going, oh, I have to tell I'm you. Like, I'm there squashing the trash down because I'm like, I want him to take it out. So I'll just like fill yeah. it to the brim going, this is your job. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was just going to say also like, when is the best time if you are going into parenthood for the first time? I think we get better at it. Like each child that comes and you get more confident and you get a bit of more of a rhythm. But I think it's such a huge thing when, just like you were saying, you come into motherhood and a lot of the time you're so excited to be pregnant and to have this baby and all that sort of thing. And I I just remember getting home with my first son and sitting on the couch and being like, okay, this is me. Like, (laughs) like you kind of, and you've lost that identity of, you know, you get up and you have this routine of going to work and seeing friends and all that sort. And you're sort of now kind of lost that identity and you're rebuilding what that looks like now. And so I think having the conversation before is, I think, so important, knowing what we know now. I think it's great to start that conversation before. We don't know what we don't know. So there'll be some elements that we, you know, until you have the baby, you can't really comprehend what that will be like. But I think it's absolutely worth having this discussion early on during pregnancy or even prior to that, you know, when you're actually considering having a baby or Mm. what that might look like. So there's a fantastic resource that I've been using. I'm not affiliated with this in any way, but gosh, do I love it. And it's called Fair Play Cards. And so what it is, it's a set of cards that have all of the activities that you might do in a day. So for example, extracurricular activities with kids, you know, homework, morning routine, who does the groceries, who does the lawn and the plants. So it's this set of cards where it can be a really fantastic conversation starter to sit down with your partner and say, let's go through these cards and see which tasks first of all apply to us. And then let's have a look and see who's actually doing those tasks. Now, it's not a tit for tat. It's not, you know, an an opportunity to go, I have 80 cards and you have two. And actually, it is an opportunity for that. It's probably 40. (laughs) Pretty (laughs) true reflection. (laughs) That's right. But it's a way of going, let's have a look at all of the tasks and make the invisible visible by showing you exactly what's involved in day-to-day life for us. And then let's have a look to see who is doing which tasks and which ones we can actually hand over to each other. So you might have a task like getting the emails from the school that you love. I don't know anyone that loves that one. But you might say, that's the one I absolutely want to keep. I want to be in charge of the communication for the school. Groceries, I don't love that. Do you like that? And your partner might go, I don't really mind the groceries. Well, actually, why don't you take that task? So it allows you to talk about the tasks and to also look at whoever takes that task needs to complete it. So if you're in charge of the dog, 
You need to be scheduling the vet appointments. You need to be working out, you know, what the dog eats. You need to take full responsibility for it. So what it can result in is having a, a really good appreciation of what each task involves. So you might go, you know what, I took groceries, but what that actually involves is planning the meals, working out for one of my child who's celiac that I need to buy these certain ingredients. And you get this full appreciation that if you take this task, you take it completely. So by doing an activity like this, you can really work out, like your partner might say, I love the lawn. And you might say, I hate the lawn. Great. You take that lawn, but keep in mind that that lawn might be once every fortnight. Some of these activities that we do are daily activities. So having cards like this can be a really good segue to start to distribute the mental and the physical load in a more equitable way. Yeah. So I guess we'll obviously pop those cards as well in the show notes for anyone listening. But something that I know is, you know, I'm not going to say like a common scenario, but it's definitely a scenario out there for any of our listeners who are in the position that they feel if they were to bring this up, their partner may say something along the lines of, well, I work all day. This is your job. <laughs> because I have heard that before. And I know that that is something that, you know, there so is common. That. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And what would your advice be to those parents? My advice is that, you know, raising children is 50-50 responsibility. So if you have a partner that works full time and you're at home doing the caregiving, then you might come to an arrangement, which might be different for everyone, that you may take more of the household activities. But a separate column there is the children. And the children need to be 50-50, in my opinion. Now, when you first have a baby, the female primarily is, you know, feeding the baby. You need to be in proximity to the baby, sleeping with the baby or managing that. And what I say in those early days is the mother holds the baby and the father or the partner holds the family. And I love saying that because I go, when they're that vulnerable as tiny babies, the mother generally is doing more of that caregiving. But as they grow and as they become less vulnerable, then you can start splitting that a bit more equitably. But at the start, when I say the mum holds the baby, the partner holds the family, this is where the partner needs to really step in and support the mother and say, right, you're doing a lot of those things with the baby. How can I support you? How can I take over the cooking responsibility or some of the household activities? So as they grow, the dad can become involved a lot more. Now, that's not saying dad shouldn't be involved at the start. Dad should absolutely be involved as much as they can at the start because what they've discovered is when you have a baby, not only is the mum's oxytocin at a high level, but dad's is at exactly the same level. And if they continue to be involved with mum and the baby, the oxytocin remains high so that the partner loves being with the baby, the baby loves being with dad. So I understand the full-time work thing, but I really think that There's the household chores and the work, and then there's the responsibility for the kids. And that really, that's a joint decision that you've made to have children. And so, you know, when you come home from a full-time job, you do have to jump in and start helping out with the children, whatever that looks like. And that's the um, absolute thing, isn't it, though? Yeah, you've been at work all day. You've had a full-time job. You're now home at five o'clock at night and you're switching off. I'm still here getting dinner, bath, putting loads of laundries on, making sure they've got clean pajamas and I'm going to get up and four or five times through the night. So my job hasn't switched off. So now I need your help as well. Like, cause it just doesn't stop. No, it doesn't stop. So they've been at work till five. You've been at work till five. 
they come yeah. home, everything needs to be shared. And that's yeah. where I spoke before, Christy, about, you know, it being devalued and unseen work at home. You're working just as hard in different ways as someone that's left the house. But when With you no come breaks. home, you're in it together. Mm. What was that, Beck? With no breaks. <laughs> With no breaks and yeah. constantly making decisions and drinking cold coffee and not really getting time to eat. Um, mm. <laughs> Eating scraps so for lunch. <laughs> different challenges, exactly. Having scraps for lunch. And I think that's where the resentment starts to build early on, like yes. when maybe the partner isn't aware of exactly what does happen during the day. Like it can be that scenario of the dad, like maternity leave is almost looks like a holiday for a lot of partners of like, oh, you're just at home, like going and enjoying your life, not working. But it's like, like sometimes it's like, give me the nine to five job and you you just stay home with the baby. Definitely. (laughs) I used to have so much resentment when I'd see Mitch go in the morning, like with his cup of coffee in the car in silence. (laughs) Take me. (laughs) Absolutely. And that resentment definitely builds. And that's a lot of what I talk about in sessions is that resentment. Because I think women sometimes look and think, well, it doesn't seem like your life has changed that much. You're still going to the gym four mornings a week and going out to work. And so that acknowledgement of matrescence needs to happen from our partners to go, you know what, what your partner has been through is an enormous hormonal shift. And so you have all those changes across the physical social domains, but you're also then on a steep learning curve. There's sometimes little or no village to support you. There's relentless baby care. That's the chronic exhaustion that comes from doing emotionally intensive work at 2 and 3 a.m. in the morning. What a lot of women say to me is, I want that to be acknowledged. You know, I want my partner to go, oh my gosh, like nine months of pregnancy and, you know, one in three women experience birth trauma at the moment. So you've got women that are trying to physically and emotionally recover from a birth that may have not met their expectations and then you're responsible to recover and keep a tiny baby alive you know and not only alive but attached to them beautifully and feed well so we've got all of that and with very little support you know a lot of women are in situations where their partners fly and fly out or their parents live interstate or you know in another country and so you know you've got these amazing women that have this incredible work experience before having children that are then sitting there trying to make sense of what has happened in the last couple of months. So what women report a lot is I want that to be acknowledged and I want my partner to invest in what I'm doing and understand what I'm doing. Sleep deprivation, it is tough. I have been there and I know it's not fun. It's a tough gig being a parent, let alone a sleep-deprived parent. So whether you're dealing with cat napping from a four-month-old or bedtime battles with a four-year-old, we have the tools and support to help guide you to a better night's sleep. No more fighting the nap, no more fighting bedtime, no more night wakes. You don't have to just survive on this parenting journey of broken sleep. You can really thrive. Our team have supported over 15,000 families worldwide and we want to help you. Please don't put up with another night of broken sleep. Find our details in our show note and get started. I think that's like, because my partner does do fly in, fly out. And I think that's where it is a struggle because you do get into like a rhythm. I'm probably the other way. You get into a rhythm with the kids and, you know, where you're just on all the time because you're the one at home and you're thinking about everything. And then he comes home and tries to like help and step in. But sometimes it's like, oh, just let me do it. I just... 
I know, you know what I mean? Like you have to kind of be like, okay, they're trying to help. Like, yeah. So it's, yes. it's an, another little aspect of it as well. Yeah. In fact, my husband was fly and fly out for 20 years. So oh. I know that really well. And I know that routine of, you know, just being in control for that period where they're away. And then my husband would come home and he'd say, let's all go out for breakfast. And I'd say, what are you talking about? We don't go out for breakfast. This is the routine in the morning. This is what yeah. we do. We'll be, we're home by 11. It's sleeping after that. And so you're trying to get used to a partner who's come back that hasn't been in the fold yeah. for a week or so. So yeah. there's definitely, yeah, some adjustments with the FIFO lifestyle, that's for sure. Mm, mm. Yeah. And is there, a, you know, when you're talking about trying to get it as equal as you can in terms of the load, would that just be you kind of got to come to an agreement? Like you're saying, okay, you don't like the groceries, but what if you both hate doing the groceries? Like how do you come yeah. to a, a point of like, yeah. yeah. Outsource. Outsource yeah. the groceries. <laughs> Online. <laughs> there might be, you know, some things that like there's a few things to consider. The amount of support you have financially, whether you are actually able to outsource to go, you know what, we both absolutely detest cleaning. Do we have capacity to outsource the cleaning? So, because mm. both of us hate mm. that task. So, you know, we're not necessarily aiming for 50-50. It depends what each household looks like and what works for everybody. And it might be for a period of time you're doing more, but then, you know, they're doing more later on. So, you know, when we say an equitable, we're looking at what does that mean for each relationship, you know, and how can we look at tasks and go, you know what, we both actually hate doing the grocery shopping. Can we get a Coles order delivered to us, you know, once a week for the next couple of weeks? I always speak to women about in that perinatal period, having a personal and a professional tribe of people, you know, and that professional tribe might be, you know, a great GP, a counsellor, a pelvic floor physio, but the tribe might also involve what we can actually outsource right now. The personal tribe, who is your support? You know, who are those people that can come over, that can support you, family, friends, that kind of thing. So it depends on how much support you have, how many resources obviously you have. But, you know, it's worth continuing to communicate because you'll have different seasons as well that you go through that, you know, it's not that important, these tasks in this season, but let's look at what we're, we're looking at now. So it's that ability to continue to communicate and to speak your truth and use your voice and say, let me tell you all the tasks that I do day to day. I'm feeling completely overwhelmed with it at the moment. Can we please sit down and regroup and work out, you know, how we can each take some free time, how we can mm. have some time away from the family to do something that we love just once a week, maybe at the start, but then how can we look at these tasks and what that actually means? So just keep reevaluating as the baby grows. Reevaluating, looking at the seasons, communicating, you know, and really pointing out when and where you're struggling and giving the context of why these things need to change. I know. Mm -hmm. And I remember too, sometimes like when I probably sound like a real cow of a wife and all of this, <laughs> but I promise I'm not. Um, I remember though, when I was like a new mom and I just remember like, I must've just been so emotional, but there was something and I really wanted Mitch to do it and he didn't do it. And I'm, I don't know, it might've been like packing the dishwasher or something. And I'd been waiting all day. Like this Dishes had been piling up and I just went like really passively, aggressively, <laughs> like packing the dishwasher. And he came in and said, I'll do it. Why didn't you just ask me to do it? And I was like, I shouldn't have to ask. Like, why should I? I shouldn't have yes. to ask. You should be able to see that it needs doing. Just do it. Like, and I yes. think that's a big thing. Like, we just wish they thought like us and would, yes. you know, go in our yeah. partners and, and see these things that need to be done. Um, 
but I do understand that they don't and sometimes you do need to ask but yeah, yeah, it was just... Yeah, Christy, that's like when I go down at night time, I will zoom through, make sure, you know, everything's away. So when I get up in the morning with the kids, it's like, we're good to go, Ready clean to go. slate. Yeah. But like, if my husband's down there, if I go out for dinner or something and I get home, it's like, that's so not an yeah. issue for him. Like he would just yeah. happy that he's got the kids in bed, they're asleep, he's Basically got, you know, and which is great. <laughs> but for me, I'm like, but why do I care that if the house is clean before I go to bed? Like, is that yeah. just my OCD or? Because yeah, you know it's no. going to be there tomorrow. It's easy just to do it all at once. <laughs> yes, that's right. And again, it's we're hardwired differently, I think, in that way is that we're constantly thinking about what we need to do. And then I think for some males, they go, this seems fine. The bed minimum is actually okay for me. I yeah. don't mind that all the cups aren't in the dishwasher. Yeah. So for us, I think we do also need to take some responsibility in going, all right, what can we actually step back from that at the moment, because I'm feeling so overwhelmed, I need to kind of let that go a little bit. I remember saying to my husband, all right, so you're going to do lunchboxes for the kids, okay? I'm, I'm giving that responsibility. He goes, yep, no, no worries at all. So he started to do the lunchboxes. And what I would do in the early days is sneak into the fridge and open the lunchbox just to assess what he'd actually put in there. And he's caught me doing it one day. And he said to me, what are you doing? And I said, oh, look, I just it's just that Harry doesn't eat bananas. Gracie doesn't eat that. Please don't cut the apple up that way. And he said to me, you do it. And I yeah. said, no, 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 that's okay. You do it. Micromanaging. So I to take a step back and go, <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to open that lunchbox. So the kids would come home for like a two-week period and Harry's banana would be in there every day. This banana went on an excursion every day for a couple of weeks. Um, and at the end of the two weeks, my husband said, Harry doesn't eat bananas. And I said, yeah. And he goes, all right, no, I, won't I could have jumped in and said after a week, just give it to me. I know exactly what they have. But he had to kind of go through that experience and go, this is really annoying, this banana coming back, and realize that they don't eat this. So the lesson I learned from that is he's not going to do things exactly the same way I am. And it's not an issue that's a life and death issue. So frustrating to sitting there trying to do bite it your perfectly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really hard, but you have to let them fail. And yeah. you have to let them, and that's how we would have learned in the early days yeah. of Very Harry true. doesn't eat bananas. And now I know that that's embedded in my brain, but yeah. I had to give him the opportunity to embed that without me going, let me take that over. I can do that. Similar thing happened with drop-offs to school. I said, could you do the drop-offs to school? I'll do the pickups. So started doing the drop-offs and the kids would be yelling, dad's always late. He always gets us there late and we forget this or that. Again, I could have just gone, let me do the drop-offs and the pickups and be crazy by the end of the day. But again, I had to let him do that, take the flack from the kids. And now what they do is they have time to stop at the beach on the way to school for 10 minutes. They look at Dickie Beach, get in the car, go to school, they're on time. So we have a responsibility to go, I need to take a step back with some things that are not life and death. And I need to let them actually go through that process and realize themselves that it's actually much better to leave at quarter to eight than eight o'clock and mm. everyone's happy. Figure it so, out for themselves. Yeah, because it allows them to develop the confidence and the competence to yeah. be able to do that role. And now he says, I drop off better than you do. And I go, yeah, you do. You go, you good thing. You continue yeah. to do that forever. You keep doing that. <laughs> you keep doing that. You're doing such a great job. Would you like to also yeah. take my pickup as well? <laughs> Absolutely. I think I've been gypped with pickup because pickup is extracurricular activities as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the extracurricular activities are like a full-time job in my house. At the moment. They really <laughs> are. But oh, yes, I think one of the biggest things as well, like that I always remember was feeling guilty for asking, like 
Mitch to take the kids when I knew he'd been at work all day, but he'd get home and I just literally felt touched out. And I was like, I just need a walk around the block or I'm just going to walk down and look at the beach for a little bit. Like I just need to get out and not have a baby touching me and on my hip. And But then I would always feel bad and think, I know he's been at work all day and he's probably tired and stuff. But then at the same time, when I did ask him, he was like, oh, my God, I've literally, he goes, I don't want to see you. I've come in to see the kids. <laughs> he yeah. just wanted to see the kids and he was excited to do that. So it was nice too because yeah. he'd be like, he had that, you know, like half an hour just playing with the kids and, you know, whether it be him just sitting there playing with the mother in the bath or something, like it just gave me yeah. that time to get out and him having that time with it. And then I'd come back and I'd be happy, mum, and I wouldn't be resenting him and he'd yes. be happy. Um, So it sort yeah. of worked well, but it was hard for me. I did have a lot of guilt towards asking because I did mm. feel for a while, but then, mm. yeah. I got over that pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. And and I say to women, just get comfortable with the discomfort of guilt. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let it stop you, but actually go, right, that's sitting here and I can observe that I'm feeling guilty. But I know that what will outweigh that guilt will be if I get 20 minutes outside of the house in the fresh air where I can be present, where nobody's touching me, I'm getting the endorphins pumping, I have an ability to reflect on my life, to miss my kids. I know that that 20 minutes is going to actually outweigh that guilt for me. So I'm going to do it anyway. And my mental health is just as important as everybody else's in the family. And you're giving your partner an opportunity to be present with the kids. He hasn't seen them all day. So they're super fun and exciting, you know, and, and he has more. Roll them up right before bed. Yeah. The witching hours, hand them over. Um, He has a much bigger window of tolerance at that time because he hasn't been touched out all day. So you're also giving them the opportunity to jump in with their kids with you not there and do, you know, whatever he does with them. I heard a podcast, I can't even remember who it was with, but I remember this lady and she was saying like they might have been in their, you know, in their 50s or something. She's like throughout our years of having kids and marriage and whatnot, we've always had this code and it would be, you know, what percentage we're at. So it'd be where we were at with our tank. Like, so we'd get home from work and I would say to my husband, I'm at 20%. I don't. And he's like, okay, I can take the other 80% tonight. Let's do this. And it was like a team effort. And I feel like that's amazing. It's so good. Yeah. And it was just a really way. And she'd say, sometimes he'd come home and he'd say, yep, cool. We're 50-50. How are you feeling about that? Yep. Great. I've got 50% in me. But sometimes it'd be like, I literally, I have 0% left today. Like I'm done. Yes, that's right. And I think when you have children, there's such a limited opportunity for you to talk to your partner and say, how's it going? And, you know, you're constantly interrupted by children. And so to be able to get a bit of that time back where you have a moment in the day, it might be five, 10 minutes where you go, how was your day? And if my husband says to me, oh, I had this awful meeting, I feel so rotten at the moment, then I can jump in and say, why don't you go for a run? Like, yeah. I'm actually feeling quite good. My day's been okay. I've got this. Yeah. You go for a run. Yeah. And that's those, you know, that kind of unicorn space of going, you know, we both deserve to check in with each other and go, you know what, today I need to tap out. I'm really struggling. So I need you to do the baths and I need you to read the books to the kids. And I just need to lie on the bed and scroll my Instagram yeah. for 20 minutes. Yeah. And as much as you know, yeah, okay, cool. I've got to suck this up and just take on that extra load tonight. You know that the outcome is going to be so much better off. Yeah. Because you know, they they will check in on you as well if you have that period. And just if he, yeah, if he goes and has that run and comes back, he'll be feeling so much better and he'll probably come back and say, hey, cool, let's do bath time. But it's just. That's what happens. Yeah. That's what ends up happening. You know, comes back from the run and says, you know, I'll help make dinner or I'll do this Mm. and I'll go, yeah, that's great. So you know what it's like when you get the chance to leave, reflect, come back you're filled with much more gratitude 
Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. It's just, yeah, being able to be open and communicate before it gets to the point where yeah. you don't want to communicate and you do You're passively, no aggressively loading the dishwasher. Exactly. Yeah. Really hard <laughs> so something breaks. <laughs> That's right. Resentment. It was one time. I remember going to a kinesiologist once and she was, you know, had her hand over my body and she stopped at my stomach and she said, I sense a lot of resentment. And I just laughed out loud. I was like, absolutely. That's exactly what I have. Huge amount of resentment. So you don't want it to get to that point. You want to be able to go, hey, you know, let's check in with each other. Let's reassess. We're in a new season now. You know, we've gone from one child to two children. So things are going to change. And these are the things that, you know, I need you to take responsibility for. This is what I'll take. And then then let's check in with each other once a week and go, how's that actually going for you? Just one quick question. Do you have any advice if, you know, you do sit down and you say, okay, you're going to be in charge of the dog or whatever it is. And then, you know, they don't actually do it. Mm-hmm. Is there a point where you have to then come around and be like, okay, well, I've given you that. two weeks yeah. or three weeks, mm-hmm. nothing's been done, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah, it depends the um, immediacy of it. If he's not feeding the dog, <laughs> yeah. you've got to get onto that straight away. <laughs> um, you know, again, and this is a term I love Brene Brown and she talks about rumble language and things that you can ask without being <laughs> aggressive or passive-aggressive. And one of the things that I use quite a lot in my business as well is help me understand. So I might say something, can you just help me understand what the barrier is in doing these things with the dog? Like what's going on there? You know, instead of coming in and going, you don't do this and you don't do that, you know, using things like, I really appreciate it when you do look after the dog because it does take a lot of stress away from me because I'm focused on the kids. So using that language and help me understand, you know, what's going on there. I'm just curious as to what the barrier is if you do So then they might not feel so attacked and then it turns into an argument. And it Mm. can then be like an action. Okay, so what should we do about that? Is that something that you're not coping with at the moment? Do you want me to take that over? And then you can take something else over. So you're not saying just give it to me, I'll do it all. But you're saying, look, I can take that over. If walking the dog is really hard when you get home in the afternoon, actually I wouldn't mind getting out and walking the dog while you stay Mm -hmm. with the kids. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, you know, replacing an activity. But Mm -hmm. being able to communicate so that you kind of you're not getting defensive with each other, you know, you're not insulting each other. Like I remember my husband said to me once, you never walk the dog. And I said to him, how dare you? I do this and I do the groceries and I do this. And he goes, I know you do all of that, but you don't walk the dog. And I really had to take that feedback and assess it and go, no, actually he's right. I don't walk the dog. So I said to him that next night, I am going to grab the dog at five o'clock and walk him. He's like, oh, that'd be great. And so as I'm walking out, I said, so you just need to start the dinner. <laughs> and I came back from the walk. He said, he said to me after that, you know what, I'm okay with walking the dog. And I was like, yeah, yeah I bet you great. are. So you need to assess that feedback and go, okay, actually, if I approach it more as can you just help me understand or I'm just curious as to what the main reason you can't do the dog is because he's got lots of fleas and he's scratching and I really think he needs to, to be taken. You know, it's just a bit of a kind of a prompt. This is actually a really important thing to do in our family. We need to care for the dog. We can't do the bare minimum. You know, I don't want him to then get sores and that's going to cost us thousands in vet bills. Yeah. So it's the way that we approach that. And you can do that if you feel calm. It doesn't happen every time. Sometimes you just get to the 
point where that's the last thing and you just get out like a dragon and, you know, scream about it. But if we can kind of pick it up along the way and go, yeah, this is not cool. Makes it a lot easier in the long run. Yes. Deal with it. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Honestly, so much of this has been amazing. And I know a lot of our families are going to find it helpful. Looking back, like I think just having those open conversations and just setting it straight early on. But, you know, it is all new. So obviously you're learning and nothing and no one can prepare you for it. But trying not to sit on it for too long would be definitely be my advice. Yeah. Those healthy strategies on board. Yeah. And we will pop all of your details as well in our show notes for our listeners so that they can get in contact with you. Um, What is your Instagram handle? Uh, Blackbird.co. Blackbird.co. Yeah, perfect. We'll pop that there as well. Um, And I think it would be awesome to get you back if you're willing to to discuss the perinatal mental health because that is We could talk to Eliza for hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite topic. Uh, yeah. And as you know, like there is just no stigma around it. It is so common and it is oh, yeah, yes. it's something we need to chat about. So let's get you back on. <laughs> we'll lock that one in. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Christy. Thanks, Beck. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Sleep Teacher Pod. We hope you've walked away feeling just that little bit more at ease with your parenting journey. Please remember, nothing is a problem until it actually becomes a problem for you and your family. If you've enjoyed our company today, we would love if you could please subscribe or leave a review, or maybe even both. But if you are wanting more sleep tips right away, use the link in the show notes to find out how you can get started with one of our amazing sleep consultants and follow us over on Instagram at The Sleep Teacher. We can't wait to be back in your ears next week with more sleep tips. Nighty night.